Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Cloudwater from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Welcome you to worship anytime on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 10.30, and thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. The Gospel reading from the third chapter of Matthew. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of of the Lord and make paths straight. Now John wore clothes of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, Your brood of vipers, you weren't who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Beat the fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our assessor. For I tell you, God is able from these uh, stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is, is lying at the roof of the of the trees, and every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his thresh threshing floor, and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquestionable fire. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you, my friends in faith. This past Wednesday night, as the kids were learning about Martin Luther's small catechism and digging into the Ten Commandments, I started by asking them, in two minutes, if they could list as many superheroes as possible. And so they came up with quite a list. They, uh, of course, had some of the big ones, Superman, Batman, Aquaman. You know, you see quite a, quite a list going here. Um, and then someone said, Mother's. And I said, that is a great, great answer. And I know what you're thinking to yourself. Wow, those 7th and 8th graders, just great kids. It was one of the confirmation guides who was a mom. (laughs) I still like the answer. Think of the ways that we look up to our superheroes. So I asked the kids, can you explain why this superhero is so important? So tell me, what is this superhero's power But then what is the superhero's mission? And then they went on this 
you know, they, they took another couple of minutes, each of their groups. Almost every single one of them decided that they were going to explore Spider-Man, and they realized Spider-Man has the ability through his, uh, his powers to be able to shoot webs and all that stuff and, and do all this swinging around. But his mission, what they came up with, was to help people. And I was like, yeah, you, okay, you guys are on the right track. And then I said, well, what about God? What is God? What's God's superpower, but then also what's God's mission? And so they talked about some of the things that God's able to do of creating and being able to do all these amazing things in the world. And I said, well, what is God's mission? And they came up with the answer, well, God's mission is, is love. And I said, well, okay, but how does God do that? And then some light bulbs went off because God is able to enact God's mission through all of us, right? Love doesn't work unless we all love each other. So we started to talk a little bit about why these laws of Moses would have mattered at all to the people in the original stories. Because, of course, when I asked them what is the most important commandment, the answer they said was, love thy neighbor. Look at the Ten Commandments. That is not one of the commandments. We just think it is. Love thy neighbor is what Jesus is going to come back and say is the kind of culmination. It's what we do with the commandments. Like all of those commandments combined have a, have a two-pronged goal. In fact, the first three commandments are all about our relationship to God, right? Like God wants us to love God. What's the number one commandment? Love thy neighbor is a great commandment, but the first commandment that God lays down for us, don't have any other gods, don't have any other idols. All these other things that distract us and are confusing to us and, and the things that we really, really take pleasure in, don't put them ahead of God. That's it. Do that and you're on the right track. No other gods. Don't take God's name in vain. Use it flippantly. And then remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. These three are all focused on our relationship with God. The other seven all are an outpouring of how God acts. God is expecting us to love our neighbor. So it got to the right answer eventually, but it was interesting how they realized that the answer to their question of fulfilling God's purpose and mission of love, these laws, which sometimes we might think of uh, are old and, and really archaic, are a way for us to live into those relationships today. I think about how that, those laws kind of came into being in the first place. You think about Moses and Moses' story. Moses is one of the original superheroes of the Bible. Moses' story is pretty important because Moses is the one who is able to lead his people through God's help to get out of slavery, to get out of Egypt. So if you're going to ask the Jewish people, what is their idea of salvation? They point to Moses, and they think about this story of being able to be freed and to never be slaves again. This is the story that they'll point to. And so Moses then receives uh, the, the accolades of all the people. They're like, this is great, Moses. We're so thankful that we're out of the wilderness. Doesn't quite go that way, does it? Right? They're whining. They're complaining. That nothing's going right. They don't like that they haven't gotten to the promised land. Everything's a problem. They would like Moses to fix this. Moses, we would have been better off going back and being slaves again. And suddenly Moses has some epiphanies with them. He starts to help the people understand, like, this isn't what, this isn't what God is expecting of you. And then we get the Ten Commandments. And so finally, then after these 40 years, as the people arrive in the promised land, They've got this guide. They've been 
taught by Moses. And they arrive into this promised land, and it doesn't mean that now they're immune to conflict or to destruction or even further exiles. But there's a new hope. And so as these new conflicts arise and as the people continue to struggle, there's a new hope, a hope for a Messiah, a one who's going to pave the way, make paths straight, and who will be able to save them. When it comes to Matthew and the writing of today's gospel, Matthew is all about knowing his audience. His audience is the Jewish people who know all of these stories. They know all about Moses. They know all about Abraham. They even know about the biggest superhero of all, of David, and how he was their conquering hero. Yet for Moses and Abraham and David, there's something that's pointing further. There's prophets who talk about this Messiah who will come. Uh, Retired professor Stanley Sanders says, uh, Matthew's biblical quotations are meant as bright flashing signs that are like, pay attention, this is important. And so when we look at what he says in Matthew, uh, Matthew 3, verse 3, this is the one who prophet, the prophet Isaiah spoke about of the voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. This is John the Baptist saying this about somebody. Who on earth could he be talking about? Huh, who do we think John the Baptist is talking about? In our heads, we all know who this foreshadowing is for. This is all about Jesus. We know this is preparing for us to be able to get introduced to Jesus in a powerful and transformational way. But for the people who haven't met Jesus yet, they think John the Baptist is the one who's the one leading the way. And so what John the Baptist does is he's kind of the thread who connects the past to the present to Jesus in the future. He's doing something pretty Incredible by referring to the Old Testament passages, the stories that they've heard, the ways that they know that this future Messiah might come into their world from the stories written in Exodus or Malachi about a promised messenger who's going to go before the people to guard them on their way to the land that God has promised them. Or in in the book of Malachi who identifies this messenger who's going to prepare the way of the Lord what Matthew, 5, or what Matthew 3 does is it confirms to us that God is once more coming to redeem God's people. John the Baptist foreshadows that. He prepares the way of this great redeemer, this one who's going to make crooked paths straight, who's going to restore our relationship with God. Yet John's going to do this in some interesting ways. And we heard it as, you know, as Bob was reading that this morning, there's some really interesting metaphor and some ways of talking about what this, what this is going to look like, you hear John the Baptist use a lot of judgment language. Basically looking at the people and saying, look, all of the things that you've been doing, your complacency, your greed, your apathy to each other, that's not going to cut it anymore, folks. You have to look at how you are truly loving your neighbor. He warns them, and this is a really interesting thing he says. He, he warns them about riding the coattails of Abraham. Oh, we, we've got Abraham, so we're okay. He's like, no, God's up to something bigger than that. And then he refers to this axe lying at the root of the tree. This is another metaphor as we think about the root of Jesse. And through Jesse was born David and the great uh, king who the people will turn to. This metaphor is not lost on them about what he's talking about, about chopping down this tree and new growth coming out of it. This image is one that the people would have been really shook by. The lineage, the family tree, the ancestry, this was so important to them. This was how they were able to secure their place in God's favor. 
And now John the Baptist is calling them for repentance. What does that mean for us today? As Christians, do we ever perhaps ride the coattails of Jesus? Do we sometimes use Jesus maybe like the Pharisees were as, as we're hearing today? Do we take Jesus for granted? Do we sometimes say, well, we got Jesus. That gives us permission to be Christians when we're in church. But, you know, when we leave here, we can walk all over our coworker, Or we can be rude to someone at a store. Or we can say whatever we want online. You know, repentance, it's not a one and done. It's not just like this moment where we say, well, I believe, and then it's all over. Repentance is a weekly gathering in church for worship. Repentance is a prayer of thanksgiving when we go to bed at night to say, thank you, God, for this beautiful day that I had, even if there were struggles along the way. Repentance is waking up and having a, having a prayer or a thought of gratitude at that first breath in the morning. Repentance is remembering what this mission of God is all about. The kids figured it out, right? The mission of God is love. It's what faith's all about too, isn't it? It's why we are here. That's why we're part of this church because we know that our joy as resistance is to do the thing that's a little bit countercultural to what the rest of the world thinks is right. I think about through a pandemic and then our current situation with inflation and economic uncertainty, doesn't change our mission as a people of God. Our mission continued, and, and it still is, and it will continue into the future to be something that's beyond ourselves. We never stopped asking, God, what are you up to? Where are you calling us to lead in this world? So the last word today is going to go to our council president, Jennifer Tolsman. I asked her, you know, as your term as president is coming to an end here, would you like to share? I know, it feels like she's been in the wilderness for 40 years. It's just that <laughs> pandemic. Um, I, think, I think she's excited for this. Uh, as, as this final word for her to be able to say, wow, reflect back on what, what Faith's been up to in the last year, but especially in the last couple of years in, in pandemic. What makes you proud about Faith Lutheran and our mission? And here's what she had to say. Hello, Pastor John asked if I would give you a recap of council highlights from 2022. Big stuff that's made a difference, you know. And so as I was thinking about all of that, there were four words that came to mind for me. And one was leadership, outreach, volunteers, and engagement. And so it looks like we're kind of talking about love there, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. Council is really grateful for the leadership of staff, um, and that includes 16 staff members who do a myriad group of things, um, whether it's preaching, a friendly welcome, whether it's finance, outreach, music, education, building care, no matter what it is, they are on top of it all. And we are grateful that we've been able to hire now a finance manager and an individual to work with our high school age youth. That was an important thing we needed. Um, we're also grateful that we've been able to take care of some building maintenance things through the efforts of staff. So that would include a new dishwasher, that would include some elevator and furnace repair that have taken care of, needed to be taken care of, and they were done in a timely, efficient manner. Um, we're also 
grateful for the continued dedication of the Finance and Personnel Committees who continue to provide oversight for us in all things that happen. Now, many of the council decisions and discussions from this last year have really reflected around outreach. It began back in January when we voted to become a Circle of Welcome Church and extend our work with refugees from what it had been in the past. Then we continued with prayerful and active involvement with the Sacred Settlement at Mosaic, and we rejoiced when that opened in August and are so grateful for all the work that's gone into that. We continue to be mindful of the needs of the unsheltered and the homeless, and we try to re uh, lend a hand whenever we can do that. In late June, we were helpful with a family um, who needed some help transitioning to new homes and spaces and things that they needed. And then we also went along and were involved with uh, Night to Unite Out in August, with Trunk or Treat in October, with the Coat Fund, um, and Faith Feeds Our Neighbors all through the summer. It was all wonderful. And so we are really happy with the outreach steps that happen here at Faith. One of the joys of every council meeting is the time we spend reviewing the really selfless and ever-present work of the volunteers here at church. Um, there's just no way that we would get things done without all these people that keep the ship afloat for us. The list includes those who um, make phone calls and write cards to homebound folks. It includes those who provide hospitality and care on Sunday mornings and on funerals. Um, those who guide our children in Christian education, the, those who are involved in caring about God's good creation, the upkeep of the grounds and the property around and the outside of the building. Um, the list is endless, and I, this is just a smattering of what goes on, thanks to our volunteers. And while the council is engaged in helping to steer faith um, on a course of service, it is the engagement of you, the congregation, and our engagement, faith's engagement with the community that really kind of brings the circle um, to a full closure then. Um, it's been delightful to see how many people are excited about the picture directory and, and being able to see their friends and neighbors there. Council has been very excited about the new member offerings that have taken place this year and we see those new folks who have come in and are finding their place here thanks to the engagement of others. Those of you who are engaged in Bible studies, in book studies, in helping with Christian education, in the music activities here at Faith, you're all helping people feel welcome and a part of where we are. So that brings us back to those four words, leadership, outreach, volunteers, engagement. And I just have to tell you that the Church Council is looking forward to 2023 to be able to move on and forward with everything that we're doing now. And you can rest assured that we're ready to listen and be a part of the mission and the vision here at Faith. Thanks. Thank you, Jennifer. I'd love to give our leadership here a round of applause. Thank you very much for all you've done. But her last point is very true. You are the superheroes. 
faith. You are the superheroes who have those superhero strengths of leadership, outreach, volunteering, and engagement. And so because of our mission, like the mission of God, it has, it is, and it always will be to love. Amen. We hope these words will strengthen you as you live out your daily life. If you would like to know more about Faith Lutheran, leave a prayer request, or financially support our mission and ministry, please go to our website at faithfl.org. May God bless you in the days ahead.